What is Morgan State getting in Damon Wilson? What's next for Felix Harper? And Coach Tamika Reed is staying loyal to Jackson State. Oh, yeah. It's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day. Every day, remember to follow me on Twitter, at South Exclusives because the journey does not stop just because the microphone is cut off. And Damon Wilson, head coach of Bowie State, is expected to be named the next Morgan State head coach. And this is big time because ever since Tyron Wheatley has left, Morgan State has been looking, saying, who is going to be our next head coach? Morgan State football fans have been wondering, and we're looking for a jump up from MSU, right? Who's going to be that guy that leads our program into the future? And not only did they just go grab a guy who can lead their program into the future, they just grabbed a guy who arguably will immediately put Morgan State in the upper echelon of coaches in the MEAC. And that is Coach Wilson out of Bowie State. We've seen everything that, that he has done with that school. This makes an immediate great hire. This is something that all fans of MSU should rejoice and be excited about because you're coming off of a two and nine season. You're going to want to have a step up. And we've seen exactly what Coach Wilson is doing over there at Bowie State. This is a guy who you should have the utmost confidence will turn around your roster. Now, when you get a new head coach, there's always a question of how fast are you expecting a turnaround or how fast are you expecting, or if you're already a good team, maybe you lost your coach because you were that good, you're expecting. Well, how long of an adjustment period will we have a down year? Coach Wilson is the type of guy who, if things aren't great in 2022, you're not like, oh, man, we might not have the right guy. No, he's the type of person who has earned the leash from his time at Bowie State for you to be able to say, that might not have happened this year, but that's going to happen either next year or the year after. I expect for us to turn things around. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when when you have a guy like Coach Wilson at the helm. Now, I think that so often you're looking at two things when you're looking at coaches, right? And so often we're looking towards what did they do as a head coach? And that's perfectly fine. It's exactly what you should do. But I also sometimes want to see, because sometimes it's the first head coaching job. It isn't for Wilson, obviously, but sometimes it is. So I like to look at what did you do as an assistant? You know, like what 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 did you do to become a head coach? Now, he's already became one. So let's look through the whole journey and see what did Coach Wilson do on his way to becoming the head coach of Bowie State. And if you look back at his his assistant days, it actually starts at Bowie State as well. You're looking under under Henry Frazier. He was a really good coach there. They went to three CIAA championships. He ended up following Frazier to Prairie View. So <clears throat> this is not the first time that you'll see. Coach Wilson on the D1s on the D1 stage, 
he's not unfamiliar. He's not a stranger to this. This is a new experience because he's never been a Division One head coach, but he has been on the Division One level. So it's not like you're just bringing a guy from D2 and everything is changing. He has some sense of how these things work, even though it was over a decade ago. But he does have some idea of how things work on this level. So he worked with Prairie View, and that was in, the, and he was the head of the defense in the year that actually went to the SWAC championship. That same team that I said went to the PV Hall of Fame when talking about Henry Frazier. Okay, so now when you're looking at Frazier, or excuse me, when you're looking at Wilson, he did that as an assistant, and he returned to Bowie State. And ever since he's been at Bowie State, he has built this team into a powerhouse. He's been there since 2019 or 2009, excuse me, which puts him at 12 years on the job. And let's look at what he has accomplished. Let's just look at his resume and everything that he's done. So since 2009, he's been 89 and 45. He's had no losing season since 2016. And then in addition to that, he's been to six CIAA championships. And once he broke through that, that door of winning, he never stopped. Like I said, he's been to six championships in 12 years. So that's already just a really exciting and, and really skilled and talented. Screw the skill and talent. To make to six championships in your conference, you have to be an extremely well-coached team. Because that's so many different players coming through. That's so many different assistants coming through. There's so much upheaval within the program that you got to have some really good coaching to make six CIAA championships. You won three of them back to back to back. So you won three in a row and they have been extremely dominant. And forget all the numbers, throw all of that to the side. But let's get into something besides the numbers because I don't need the numbers to tell me what kind of coach Damon Wilson is or what kind of team that Bowie State was under his lead. When I look at it, there have been articles written saying that Bowie State was the black national champions in football this year. We've talked about it on this podcast, I think as recently as two weeks ago. And regardless of if I feel the same or not, I understand how important and how extremely difficult it would be for a school like Bowie State to earn that title because you are a Division II team. And often as a D2 team, you're going to be told to do it again and do it again and do it again. So you're going to need years of repeated success to achieve that same not being a flash in the pan, actually being taken serious as if you just had one season as a, D, as a D1 coach or D1 team, I should say. He was able to lead them to that. Three straight years, they won a CIAA championship. And this year, they went deep into the playoffs. And I do think that that deep playoff run really contributed to, okay, you you went deep into the D2 pool. You you clearly shown that you can swim. We're going to go ahead and bring you on. And who knows, maybe this was the MEAC's way of getting back at him. Like, all right, you didn't want to come to the MEAC, Bowie State? We can't bring any of y'all to the MEAC? Well, we're just going to steal your coach. And now he'll be in the MEAC without you. We don't even need you. Don't worry about it. Still might need him. But we don't really need you. Don't worry about it. Who knows? Or maybe I'm just trying to be petty again. I don't, I don't know. Either way. You can clearly tell that Damon Wilson is an extremely good coach. He's somebody who should help Morgan State a lot. And once it's confirmed, because right now it's just expected, once it's confirmed, we'll see the impact that he will have on Morgan State. As we continue with Locked on HBCU, I want to talk about Felix Harper because he was just waived by the Cleveland Browns. But what is next for him? Are we talking about a return to Cleveland, maybe? 
Some other NFL team might pick him up, or is the NFL just not in his plans going forward? We'll talk about that and more on Locked on HBCU. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar because they are the best protein bar on the market, bar none. I call them the Swiss Army knife of protein bars because in addition to being a protein bar, we know that it's healthy, right? 17 grams of protein. We're expecting it to be healthy, but it's also extremely delicious. You can eat it for just a snack. Say you have no plans on working out. You're just sitting at your house and you say, you know what? I'm kind of hungry. You can get yourself a built Bar. It's really that simple. You can get it for working out just because you want to have a snack or because you just want to be healthy and start eating better. All of those things work. They are the Swiss Army knives of protein bars, the built Puffs, the built Bars. I can get the birthday cake and the Puff, the blueberry muffin and the regular. Both of those are going to go crazy each and every Time built bar is what you need to get, and built.com is where you need to go. Use the promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off your offer. All right, so keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day, I appreciate that. And make sure that you're checking out Locked on Sports today. They're going to have the take of the day, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions and big game recaps. You can get that wherever you get your podcast. Odyssey, YouTube, does not matter. You can find it all of those places. And today's word of the day is benevolent, meaning kind and generous. So let's talk about Felix Harper. It was all good about a week ago, okay? Now, he was signed. He got a camp invite to the Browns. Then he got signed by the Browns. And it felt like, okay, man, this, this dude is, is making some leeway. We're doing good. Now he's been released by the Browns. And that's just how fast the NFL can work, right? That's just an example of it. And I would admit I probably jumped the gun a little bit on talking about Harper. Because I was hyped. Don't get me wrong. I was excited. But I may have jumped the gun talking about how Harper has a route to the, I don't want to say jump the gun on that part, but I, I may have jumped the gun on how sure I was that he would successfully navigate that route to the 53-man roster. And the reason is I don't think I took into account all of the moving parts around him. Yes, I think he has a route. And honestly, I still think it's there. But... I didn't take in, a, in, a, in, a, in account that there's a lot of things that is beyond his control. Now, he didn't get into the OTAs, so I don't think he had the chance to truly compete to show that he could get onto the 53. But his, his future in Cleveland is directly tied to Baker Mayfield for me. And that's what I underestimated the most, the sway of Baker Mayfield. Now, when you look at the current state of the Cleveland Browns at the quarterback position, if Felix Harper was still there, you're looking at a starter, you're looking at two veteran backups, and you're looking at Baker Mayfield. Now, the problem with, with Baker Mayfield is that, yes, he is, I think he has some talent. A lot, some people don't. But the point is, Baker Mayfield was made to feel alienated and unwanted by the Cleveland Browns, period. Now, if you want to debate who should feel, is he overreacting? Did the Browns do a poor job handling him? You can have those conversations, right? We have locked on Browns for a reason. So we can have those conversations of how important it should be. But the fact of the matter is he does not want to be there. He is unhappy and is not going to play for the Cleveland Browns. People are talking about the Browns are going to eat his contract just to get him off the team. 
I've heard some people interested in Baker, but never anything substantial. It never feels like anything is on the brink of happening. As long as Baker Mayfield is on that team, it's a tough slot for Felix Harper because you're not going to cut Baker Mayfield. They're not going to do it. So with not cutting Baker, you're looking at Felix Harper as the fifth quarterback, and that's just difficult. And I would like to say this. I would like to say this is if Felix Harper does come back to the Browns, it does not shock me. So often you're going to have players who bounce around, oh, he got cut just so another guy could come on, but then we're going to bring him back. So this, this happens. Now, he's a rookie. He hasn't had the opportunity to show how valuable he is to the organization for him to want to do that or for them to want to do that. But I do think he has the talent. I wouldn't be shocked to see him back on a Cleveland Brown roster. If Baker Mayfield were to get traded either before training camp starts or not too deep into training camp, I would fully expect for them to bring Felix Harper back. And then maybe Felix Harper gets to play in some preseason games. He gets to show what he is. Maybe then we get to actually watch. And he's going he's gonna to be a quarterback. So you're going to have significantly more opportunities to show yourself as a QB just simply based off the fact that when you do get in the game, I'm not talking about just because it's still going to be difficult to get into the game. But when you do get into the game, now you get to have the ball in your hand every single play. So now you get to show your decision-making. You get to show all of these things. But let's say that he does not, you know, come back to the Browns. Let's say that situation where he gets to play in the preseason just does not happen. That's fine. You still have the XFL, the USFL. I think the XFL will be better for him because the USFL is already started, and as a quarterback, you're already behind the eight ball. So just go to the XFL. I see so many people posting their showcase for the HBCU showcase, right? Or showing their, their acceptance into the HBCU showcase. Just go ahead and go there. I think that would be the best decision because now you're going to be there before the season starts. And even if they don't pick you to be a starter or whatever, you're going to at least, at least have the opportunity to say, you know what? I get to compete. During a training camp situation, I get to come in and try to beat somebody out. He's not beating anybody out in the USFL. Those guys have had games in. He hasn't touched one of their playbooks. It's going to be difficult. He's just It's just not going to be – it's not the, the right thing to do. Maybe if he was a wide receiver where four or five of them get to hit the field, but you're a quarterback where you have to be the number one guy to hit the field. And they're five weeks in. They've been around. You know, like they, they've, been, they've been discussing the playbook. They've been – in training camp, they've done all of these things that you're going to have to catch up to. And by the time you catch up, the season is probably over. So I'm going to the XFL if I'm him, but I'm still not putting away the dream of maybe even coming back to the Cleveland Browns. If no other team in the NFL decides, we would like to see what he has to, to offer us as well. Now, going forward, we're going to be talking about Tamika Reed because she is staying loyal to Jackson State. But is Jackson State doing right by her? Should she stay loyal to them? We'll talk about that and more on Locked on HBCU. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, we're going to discuss Tamika Reed's benevolent move to turn down Power 5 offers in favor of coming back to Jackson State. This is big. This is big. She announced that yeah, the Power Fives came a calling. She did say no HBCUs came a calling. Before we get, she said none of them, not even Texas Southern, who had an opening. Listen, I don't know if that's because they all know how committed she is to, to Jackson State or what it is, 
but I can guarantee you if I was if I was Texas Southern, as soon as I had an opening, hey, look, read, you know, come on down to Houston. We'll treat you right too. Even if she says no, I would at least check in. Ain't no shame in it. There is no shame in checking in and just seeing if Tamika Reed would have been interested because and she even said, I'm surprised that TSU didn't try more. I don't think that's a sign that she would have came. Actually, I don't think she would have came. I would have been extremely shocked if she moved schools within the SWAC when she has such a great setup at Jackson State. But I am surprised that Texas Southern didn't check in either. But she said that she turned down a Power 5 school in favor of coming to Jackson State because there's still work that needs to be done. And I know that's right. There is work that still needs to be done. I spoke on that when talking about her possibly getting a job in the SEC. I said, no, I need her to stay because I feel like Jackson State can win an NCAA tournament game. I truly do. I think that might be the work that she's talking about. Now, she says she turned down not only because she felt like there was work to do, but also because there were certain things in her contract that she felt would be revised at that time. They still have not been. Now, once you start talking about contracts and all of that, it begs the question, should she feel like she has to be loyal to Jackson State? Now, when you say, does she feel like she has to be? I say, no, I don't think that she should feel like she needs to be. She shouldn't feel indebted to them. She's not, all, that's not all my mater, none of that. But does she feel, or should she feel loyal to them? That's not for me to answer. I, 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 it's just not, it's not for me to answer. It's not for you to answer, but I can see why she would be at least a little bit loyal to Jackson State. Now, once again, this is not feeling like she has to be like, man, I got to do this at Jackson State. But I understand why she is. It's a big difference between the two, right? She's not indebted. She just feels loyal to them. And I think it's for two reasons. It's for the love of two things, Ashley Robinson and HBCUs. And no, I'm not just speculating with this HBCU thing. I know the love is there, but let's talk about Ashley Robinson first. We all know that Robinson has a, a great knack for picking, picking uh, coaches. He, he's picked uh, Deion Sanders, picked Tamika Reed. That's just a few. We understand that he has a knack for just picking great coaches, pointing them out and saying, I'm going to get that person and we're going to get them and they're going to be great. So beyond that, he's just a great athletic director. According to Reed, he makes everybody feel safe, makes all the, the team, or excuse me, makes all the athletes feel like they're set up to succeed. He's a great person to work with. When you have an athletic director who it seems that you have a great relationship with, you're not going to have that everywhere. So I would understand why. Why would I want to work with anybody else? It just doesn't make sense. I don't want to work with anybody else. I like working with Robinson. So if I'm going to continue working with Robinson, I'm going to keep staying at Jackson State. But beyond that, it's also the HBCU love. She said that even when she was at a PWI, she's sitting there advocating for HBCUs, always wanting players to HBCUs before she ever stepped into this role at Jackson State. So this is something that she's been about. It's, it's within her, not just because of the job that she has, but, but, but within the coat, excuse me, within the character that she shows. So something running as deep as that goes, and she's talking about, I want all HBCUs. I have a vision for all HBCUs to compete and not just be a school that is a speed bump. And she says that people are not even scheduling Jackson State because, oh, you don't want to lose to an HBCU. You know, like that was a big part of that interview to me. That stood out. That was one of the highlights, probably the highlight, aside from the fact that she turned down a job. 
is that teams are turning down Jackson State. But she has this dream and this vision for all HBCUs to compete. When you see things like that, it's one thing to say, oh, I coach at Jackson State. We're going to compete. No, I want all these HBCUs to compete. That dream and that aspiration that is within her is what is what creates that loyalty. It's what creates the ability to say, no, I'm not going to go work at, I'm not going to do any school out there, but I'm not going to work at that school. I'm going to stay here at Jackson State. So should Jackson State feel loyal to Tamika Reed? And I don't know if loyalty is really the question or really the word to use because this is all business. But I do think they should pay her what she's worth. Somebody else will. She said for four years, the things that we've done are unheard of. And this wasn't in the, in the sense of like trying to advocate for a new contract or anything. This was just in the midst of the, of the interview. But she was saying for four years, we've done things that are unheard of. And I'm confused on why people aren't talking about it. That's not going to last forever. Kim Mulkey put the stamp on her. She did. She put it out there that this is a great coach. And if you think people aren't listening to Kim Mulkey, you are out of your mind. People are listening and aware of what she's saying. We had two power five schools, at least that we know of that were contacting her. She said she make the final, made the final rounds for one, didn't get the in or didn't get the offer, and then she got the offer for another one and turned it down. So we have at least two schools out there that are recognizing her talent. If you don't pay her, if you don't give her the money, if you don't give her the things that she's looking for right now and you go into next year, you're likely losing her. If Tamika Reed does not get the money or whatever it is that she's looking for in this contract negotiation, by next year, you can guarantee that some Power 5 schools are going to be coming her way. And after a year of not getting what she wanted, the reason she came back is because she thought this would happen at that time, and a year later, it still hasn't happened. Yeah, she's gone. Can't even blame her. You look at the things that she said within the interview, even the idea of, of adding Maya Crump, because... I need big guards to compete with these schools that are power five schools. I'm not even talking about competing with the SWAC. I'm talking about, okay, I think we're going to run the SWAC again. And when we get to the NCAA tournament, we have to make sure that we are prepared in adding players like this. The strategy behind it that she's just talking about, you see that she has a, a, a hand in everything and she has a finger on the post of her team. She understands exactly what they need to get where they're trying to get. This is the, this is the coach that you need to retain. It's that simple. If you don't pay her, somebody else will. What you going to do, Jackson State? Because the ball is in your court. Now, I appreciate y'all making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. In tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about Howard's new deal with the Jordan brand because they are sponsored by Jordan now. And for your second listen of the day, make sure that you're checking out Locked on NBA Big Board. It's going to be hosted by Rafael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, Leif Thulin, giving you breakdowns into the NBA draft cycle. And of course, as the name suggests, Big Boards. You can follow the Locked on NBA Big Board app, I mean, a podcast on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, including Odyssey. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, you can catch me on, on Twitter at South Exclusives. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.